I'm Daniel Levine, and this is the Bio Report. Though many drug developers are harnessing AI to create novel chemical compounds, Iambic Therapeutics' generative AI is leveraging quantum mechanics to get to better drugs. It says its physics-informed machine learning approaches yielded promising lead candidates with superior profiles in record time. In October, Iambic completed a $100 million Series B financing round to support development of its platform and to advance multiple candidates into clinical development. We spoke to Tom Miller, co-founder and CEO of Iambic, about its AI platform, the insights Iambic gains from using a quantum mechanics-based approach to drug design, and its growing pipeline of cancer therapies. Tom, thanks for joining us. Thanks so much, Danny. It's a pleasure. We're going to talk about AI, drug design, and how Iambic is building a pipeline of therapies using its quantum mechanics-based AI drug design platform. Perhaps we can start with the challenges of drug discovery today. What would you say those are? That's a great question. At Iambic, we're really focused on improving the success and speed with which drugs can be developed for challenging targets, because those are the main challenges facing drug discovery today. Um, We do that with a platform that enables us to discover improved target product profiles and to deliver high quality development candidates to clinic um, at a pace of roughly two years from program launch to IND submission. This is a substantial improvement on the industry average time. We've seen a lot of AI companies emerge on the drug discovery scene. Some of these are providing in silico testing to accelerate the drug discovery process. Others are doing generative design and maybe developing molecules that don't exist in drug screening libraries today. Where does Iambic fit into this continuum? I think that's a good uh, description of the dichotomy of computationally driven uh, drug discovery companies. On the one hand, there are the Insilico companies. Schrodinger is a great example of this, where physics-based computational modeling is used to try to discover uh, and design better molecules. And on the other side of the coin, there are companies that focus on a much more data-driven approach where large data sets are acquired and and trained upon to to predict molecular properties for better drugs. At Iambic, what we strive to do is get the best of both worlds. We strive to use physical properties and physical constraints to build more accurate and data-efficient AI models. The result is that we can more accurately predict across novel chemical space with a given number of experimental data points and try to result in a more effective search for new drugs. So if you think about what Iambic's platform can do, what what can it do better, faster, cheaper than traditional approaches? And what gives you confidence that the end result will be a better drug candidate? We think about it in terms of three aspects of differentiation. Um, On the one hand, uh, as I mentioned, we develop novel and proprietary AI algorithms 
that incorporate physics to um, uh, lead to more efficient search of chemical space. This builds on the innovation of an extraordinary team of scientists that we have. But AI design isn't enough. A second aspect of what we um, focus on for differentiation is to have a platform in which those AI designs are converted into new chemistry and new biological data as fast as possible in closed loop cycles, executing every single week. And the third and most important uh, aspect of that um, is, is really the execution on that platform, delivering high quality development candidates to clinic at a pace of, of program launch to IND submission um, of, of 24 months and showing that we can do that repeatedly across challenging targets. Iabic, as I've mentioned, is taking a quantum mechanics-based approach to drug design. You're a theoretical chemist by training, and a, a lot of AI engines are centered on chemistry. Molecules are atoms, and they're, they're subject to the laws of physics. How unique is Iabic's approach, and what insights does quantum mechanics provide about potential drug candidates? That's a great question. And there's no doubt that um, the approach that we take um, reflects, you know, the fact that I, I worked at, at Caltech as a, as a professor for, for over a decade before, before co-founding the company. And, you know, we've really taken a approach that is unique in terms of building physics-based and in some cases quantum mechanical-based AI algorithms. And, and one good example of that is the Orbnet um, uh, uh, tool, the Orbnet uh, model that we have actually published on, um, and which predicts conformational and interaction energies of a drug molecule. And what Orbnet does, like most AI models for chemistry, is map the molecular structure to a property of interest. But whereas most AI models would represent the molecule as atoms connected by bonds, perhaps as a graph, Orbnet represents the molecule at a more fundamental level, the level of the underlying molecular orbitals or quantum mechanical level, abstracting away those atom types. This more fundamental representation makes better use of the training data in its learning, and it enables better predictions of new molecules that are far outside of the training data set. This is one example, and we have other um, algorithms that make similar utilization of uh, the role of physics to improve data efficiency. What's the, the starting point for your approach? Do you start with a, a disease? Do you start with a, a target? Do you start with a molecule? Yeah, the typical starting point is a, a target of interest. Um, but beyond that, we don't require much additional information. We're not reliant on large data sets of known compounds uh, for that target because of the data efficiency of the algorithm. And we do not require availability of a crystal structure for the target either because of our structure-based prediction tools. Um, the platform's quite flexible across protein target classes. And, and it's also flexible in the mechanisms of action that we can design for, for drugging the, uh, the protein. In fact, our pipeline currently has a, a lead program that's a covalent inhibitor, uh, a second program that's a non-covalent um, uh, orthosteric inhibitor, uh, and our third program is an allosteric inhibitor, and we also have a protein-protein interaction modulator. So it really reflects the flexibility of the platform to go across uh, different strategies. That is the platform work? What are the inputs and, and what are the outputs? And what point do you take something from the system and explore it in a wet lab? 
Right. So, you know, the key input is a target of interest as well as an initial hypothesis for the target product profile. We use the AI to design molecules to strive to match that target product profile, exploring novel chemical space and mechanisms of action. And we then convert those designs through in-house plate-based chemistry and plate-based biology to new data um, uh, across multiple in vitro readouts. We can do this at the pace of hundreds or thousands of molecules per week um, and execute rapid design-make-test cycles. Um, it's really critical to point out that despite all of our technology, we really don't try to take the humans out of the loop, though. Iambic is extraordinarily lucky to have a team of amazing medicinal chemists and biology drug hunters, and, and we use the AI platform to enable um, those, uh, those um, experts as opposed to use the automation to try to uh, somehow take them out of the loop. So it sounds like there's this design, test, learn loop. How, how much data gets fed back into the AI system, and, and is it learning from this? That closed-loop aspect of it is really important. Chemical space is just so extraordinarily vast that even if you have access to very large data sets, you'll quickly begin to ask questions or wish you could find out about chemical matter or targets that are outside of that, uh, outside of that training data. It's critical to be able to close the loop in-house at, at a rapid pace and to retrain the models um, and, and to, to modify the hypotheses and the target product profiles on the basis of, of what is being learned. Um, we really recognize that from, from the get-go and have made that a core part of our, of our strategy. As the system learns, are you able to tell what information it's actually using to design molecules, or at some point does it become a bit of a black box? That's a great question. Um, we uh, uh, can answer both of those things, really. Uh, on the one hand, we utilize what's called uncertainty quantification quite aggressively. Um, that allows us to understand which data points are most informative, and as well as the confidence around any given prediction um, in guiding the human decision-making. Um, we also take advantage of strategies for explainable AI so that we try to avoid a scenario where it's just making predictions without offering insight. Um, the explainable AI strategies uh, um, extract the underlying mechanistic justification for the prediction as well as the prediction itself to, to again, connect with the human insight. So at this point, I know it's early days, but what can be said about the the benefits of of your approach? The most important thing is really um, uh, to validate the platform on the basis of delivering differentiated development candidates to, to clinic at, at, at the fastest possible pace. And we feel that um, in the short period that um, the company has uh, been uh, doing so, um, the, the results are really very exciting. Um, we had our Series A in, in, in 2021, and we've just completed our, our Series B. Um, and 2021 was really the first time at which we um, focused on an internal drug discovery program and, and uh, internal drug discovery pipeline. And to um, have arrived in uh, uh, this short period of time, in, um, in, in 24 months, to have our first IND submission this quarter and a second following very soon, um, I think 
suggests and points to the fact that this is uh, an exciting way to be um, uh, developing molecules and uh, and to hopefully arrive at um, some some very promising medicines. Iambic began life as Entos, along with the name change. How has the business model evolved? Have you, have you moved from a service business to a drug development company? We've really been laser focused um, ever since our, our series A in 2021 on um, uh, using the AI-driven platform to advance uh, drug candidates. Um, uh, the, the name change to Iambic Therapeutics is designed to reinforce the focus on drug development and, and to celebrate the fact that we are uh, becoming a, a, a clinical stage biotech. Um, incidentally, the, the name uh, includes iambic, best known, of course, for Shakespeare's iambic pentameter, uh, and it emphasizes our continued AI foundations and, and the important role of large language models within AI. And what, what has that move to the clinic met in terms of the talent you need to build in-house as, as you migrate from worrying about building the software platform to doing clinical drug development. Has that had cultural effects on the way you operate? Yeah, that's that's an important question. And it, it's true that we've um, had to build a company that's very much at the interface um, of software technology and drug development. Um, we have a roughly 60-person team, and about half of those are AI scientists and, um, and uh, computational scientists. Um, and the other half are, are, are uh, drug development experts and, and drug discovery scientists. Um, and that really reflects kind of our, our duality and our mission. Um, you know, this requires building a diverse and extremely talented team. And, and you, you ask about culture, and it's important to develop a culture that really embraces that interdisciplinary collaboration. The culture that we've strived to establish at Iambic celebrates individual creativity, as well as a respect for the fact that no one person can be the ultimate expert on all of the matters that the company is using, uh, is, is uh, addressing to, to, to build this platform and to execute on the drug programs. So we're, we're building something that requires the expertise of many different areas and kind of celebrates the handoff between those expertise between team members. If you look across the, the history of biotechnology, one thing we've seen is that powerful platforms may accelerate the drug development process and generate compelling molecules, but because development costs increase dramatically as compounds advance in the clinic, there are enormous capital constraints on advancing too many candidates at once. How are you thinking about building a pipeline and balancing opportunities with financial realities? It's a great point. Um, we're fortunate to have investors that not only appreciate the value of, of our lead assets and are very excited about those opportunities, uh, but which also share the vision for additional value creation on the basis of new programs made possible by our platform. Um, it's absolutely true that a small company has to focus its resources, which means limiting the number of um, uh, clinical assets that we advance at a given time. Um, but as we both advance our lead programs to clinical inflection points, and we will seek to retain flexibility and to generate value through BD opportunities associated with our clinical and preclinical assets, as well as um, collaborations associated with our drug discovery platform on new targets. The other thing we see companies with powerful platforms do is seek to exploit them by leveraging partnerships, but this often leads to imbalances in how 
values reward and, and often the changing fortunes of a partner and that can lead to changes in how programs get prioritized. What's Iambic's approach to partnering and how can it ensure it realizes value from those relationships? Those are important risks to, to keep in mind. Um, we focus on partnerships that make us stronger as a company uh, through, through meaningful collaboration, through complementary strengths, um, such as expertise in a different therapeutic area or a, a different protein target class or biology. Um, we've been very selective in the partners that we've chosen to engage, in, and we would only work on a target or program if we had sufficient conviction in, in that opportunity, um, which you know is conviction that we can um, retain should uh, some of the scenarios you describe um, arise. Well, let's talk about your pipeline, which is preclinical at this point. Your lead candidate is IAMH1. This is a tyrosine kinase inhibitor for HER2 cancers. This is an area of cancer that would appear to be relatively well served today. Why start there? We wanted our first programs to focus on clinically validated targets with large patient populations, as well as urgent unmet need. Um, it's true that the field has seen good progress in treating um, some aspects of HER2-driven cancers, but many patient populations, including those um, aggressive disease-driving mutations and those with brain metastases have few or, or no options. Um, we recognized the opportunity for our lead molecule, IAMH1, uh, a potentially best-in-class drug with good brain penetrance, pan-mutant activity, and over thousand-fold selectivity versus EGFR, which we anticipate to expand both the treatable patient population as well as the therapeutic window for those patients. Do you think that serves as any kind of a proof of concept of your AI approach, given that it's such a, a well-known target? Absolutely. Um, I, I think that um, it's, a, it's a target that people have been striving to develop um, uh, tyrosine kinase inhibitors for for a long time. Um, there is only one um, specific HER2 inhibitor, tucatinib, that, that is approved um, to date. And, um, and uh, uh, that is not um, active on um, the, for example, exon 20 mutations that drive uh, non-spousal lung cancer and, and other indications. So um, arriving at a molecule that has um, expanded selectivity, a molecule that has um, improved brain penetrance, uh, a molecule that expands the patient population through these mutant populations, um, I think is a, um, a demonstration of what the, the platform can help to deliver. And, um, and, and we see that as an exciting validation. You're also developing a CDK24 inhibitor. This is being developed to target hormone receptive. This is being developed to target hormone receptor positive HR2 negative cancer. What's the need here? Our selective CDK24 inhibitor uh, called IAMC1 uh, represents uh, a promising new approach to address cell cycle dysregulation in cancer. Um, the CDK46 inhibitors are the standard of care for patients with uh, HR-positive HER2-negative metastatic breast cancer in both first and subsequent line settings. Uh, but despite the success of these agents, virtually all uh, patients demonstrate either intrinsic or acquired resistance to the approved CDK46 inhibitors. The more targeted approach of IAMC1 offers uh, a more favorable safety profile uh, by reducing dose-limiting toxicities associated with the non-CDK24 kinases, including CDK6. 
this represents another important validation for the platform, given the challenge of gaining strong activity on CDK2 and CDK4 while sparing the highly homologous CDK1, 6, and 9 off targets. Are you looking at these as single agent therapies or would you expect to use them in combination with other agents? We plan to explore both single agent and combination trials, depending on the indication. Given that cancers often mutate and the the value of combination approaches, what's the potential for your system to discover agents that can hit multiple targets at once, but have good safety profiles? Yeah, I think that's um, a great question. And I feel that both of our lead programs demonstrate this capability of the platform. Um, Our HER2 asset is active not only on HER2 wild type, but also on the structurally different HER2 mutations that are refractory to HER2 wild type inhibitors such as tecatinib. Uh, Similarly, our CDK24 asset simultaneously addresses the major CDK2 mediated resistance mechanism to the approved CDK46 inhibitors, as well as CDK6 mediated dose limiting toxicity of the approved CDK46 inhibitors. So due to the enhanced therapeutic index and resistance combating mechanism of action for both of these agents, um, we feel that they are promising partners for combination and present exciting prospects for improved efficacy and broader therapeutic benefits. It's been a tough financing environment. Iambic recently completed a $100 million Series B financing. How far will existing cash take you, and are there any milestones you'll need to hit to get the full amount? The raise is untranched, so we, so the, there's not an issue of milestones to get the full amount, and and we w- this will take us through um, to to 2026. The goals of the raise include phase one trials and signals of efficacy in humans for our HER2 and CDK24 lead programs, as well as continued development and advancement of development candidates for additional and new targets. Investors seem a bit warmer to AI-centric companies these days, but what was the discussion like with investors for you, and has it changed at all from your initial fundraising efforts? I, I think the industry is AI enthusiastic, but the nature of that enthusiasm has indeed matured. Um, investors are really focused on seeing how AI technologies meaningfully translate to, to better medicines, and, and we're keeping that foremost in our minds at Iambic as well. Um, Our Series B, we've been very fortunate to um, recruit investors that have deep expertise both in platform technology as well as in um, uh, delivering successful therapeutics, Um, and uh, we couldn't be happier to have uh, assembled um, that that investment team around around the the recent race. Tom Miller, co-founder and CEO of Iambic Therapeutics. Tom, thanks so much for your time today. Thanks so much, Danny. Take care. Thanks for listening. The Bio Report is a production of the Levine Media Group. To automatically download this podcast each week, subscribe to our RSS feed or through iTunes or other podcast manager. To join our mailing list, go to levinemediagroup.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to drop us a line or are interested in sponsoring this podcast, send an email to danny at levinemediagroup.com. Special thanks to Jonah Levine, who composed our theme music, and the Jonah Levine Collective, which performs it.